Hello and welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I am your host Stephen Murphy. I'm joined by one of the rugby crew tonight, which is Westy. Sammy Barnacles isn't available at this time, but he might drop in. Who knows? Yeah, he could be like Santa. He just drop down the chimney and there you go. Presents for everybody. Uh, but we will see. We will see. But we have enough between ourselves and Westy here to get, I would say, somewhat intelligent conversation. Is that maybe a stretch, Westy? Uh, I've been described as somewhat intelligent on many somewhat occasions. Yeah. yeah, do you know what the best backhand compliment is of all time? When someone says, "Oh, he's harmless," it's such a, it's not a compliment, but like it feels like it is, but it's not. Yeah. It really isn't. Uh, but yes, we are here to discuss. Uh, I would say one of the most since we've been doing this podcast, top three heartbreaking losses uh, in a yeah. camp jersey. I would. Yeah, I think so. And it's. I think it's more about it says more about the human condition that we remember those heartbreaking losses better than the or more than the wins. Like I still look back at last year, twenty third of Christmas, twenty third December, uh, and Ulster stealing that game against us. I still look back. Well, not stealing. We probably gave it to them, but that still annoys me to this day. And that was nearly a year ago. <laughs> but like, you know, the quarter final that we bet them, I probably remember more of the bad game than the good game. But that says more about us than, than us uh, than us. But Westy, how are you? How was your weekend? You were abroad. I was. Uh, I was away for the weekend. I was in Vienna uh, with my partner for a nice long weekend. Uh, we had tickets to uh, to Hosier in Vienna, so we decided we'd go over for the weekend. She has a uh, cousin living over there, so we were over visiting. Um, we arrived in the middle of like a, a very heavy, sleety rain on Friday, and then we woke up Saturday morning uh, in a blizzard. Um, so it was really kind of cool to be in. Uh, we spent the day and Saturday going around to these Christmas markets having like uh, glue vine and stuff, but like in these really snowy, beautifully white conditions. Um, and then we had a bit of sun on Sundays. So we were actually able to get out and properly uh, enjoy it. But yeah, it's tough to go around a new city. I've actually been once before years and years ago, but it's tough going around a new city uh, in the middle of a blizzard. I don't know if you know, it's like umbrellas aren't great against snow. The snow tends to get the better of you after a while. Um, and yeah, but it was great fun. It's a beautiful city. Uh, we had a great time, and obviously, as I say, we saw Hosier on, on Sunday evening, and it was, uh, it was fantastic. So, yeah, it was a great weekend. Yeah, uh, your partner put up the Instagram today. Of course, you don't notice because you're not on Instagram, but um, it looked, yeah, it looked amazing. It looked like a winter wonderland, but there was a picture of some sort of establishment called The Ween or something, and I chuckled. I'm not going to lie. It made me laugh for a good five to ten minutes, and I don't care. I don't care that I'm married 30. That shit's funny. The word Wiener, I'm pretty sure, comes from Vienna. Because the German Vienna is Wien, and I think Wiener is like Vienna, v- Viennese in German. I don't know. Somebody speaks German can verify this, but it makes sense to me. But there was basically there was Wieners everywhere. Is that what we're saying? There was Wieners, Wieners and wine. <laughs> what that's more do you what, want? That's what the photo album is called. Wieners and wine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sounds like your dream holiday, Wes. Yeah, just perfect. Uh, I was back home uh, this weekend. Uh, my friend Fergal and his now fiance Fiona uh, had an engagement party, so we were at home for that. Uh, it was a great night, uh, but I didn't didn't lead to a ton of uh, rugby watching, uh, which is a shame. But I watched the game back today, so let's let's just get stuck into it, Westy. Do we have? It to, hurts. Do we have to talk about? No, we do. We do. Uh, Connacht Leinster in the sports ground. Uh, Amazing atmosphere, it seemed like. A real, uh, th- th- it sounded loud, which was absolutely great to see. Uh, but Leinster steal it at the death, uh, 24 points to 22. Uh, three tries for Connacht, Hawkshaw, Blade, Kilgallen. Four tries for Leinster, uh, Natai, Jenkins, Kelleher and Frawley. Amazing to come away with a bonus point, uh, which really stings as well. Uh, I mean, to lose a bonus point for Connacht, uh, which again, I don't know. Would you have taken that, I suppose, at, at, at the start of the game? Probably... 
before uh, they announced their before they announced their team, I might have you might have convinced me to take it. Um, because I said in the podcast last week, I thought they were going to go relatively, you know, with maybe not a full team, but pretty much a full team against us again. When I saw that it was a slightly heavier rotated team than I thought it was going to be, I really thought it was an opportunity for us. Um, I think apart from the result against Bulls, and you know, you know, maybe we can say the Edinburgh result is a little bit disappointing now, especially more and more in hindsight. Um, we have been on pretty pretty decent form, and um. When they named us again, you know, that's that players about it. Like, I don't really want to say a second team, but a, a fairly rotated team um, coming to the sports ground, which has been a difficult place for anyone to go over the last few years. We're on the verge of going 12 months undefeated in sports ground. And yeah, um, I think especially oh, the, the manner of the ending as well. Bloody record. Yeah, oh, that so. I didn't even realize that part. <laughs> yeah, looking at their team, there's probably three or four lads that you would say are starting. Team potential. I'm kind of looking at uh, maybe Frawley. I think Charles Charlie Natai now is probably a starter. Um, I don't know uh, Robbie Henshaw, but probably not these days. Um, yeah, I mean, like Kelleher is arguably still an Ireland international. He's he you know, it, it is Dan Sheehan now that's first that is first choice, but like he is still a pretty important cog in the Ireland machine. You know, Henshaw's there. Like, they've got the likes of Keane Healy and Furlong to come off the bench and, and Conan to come off the bench to inject that kind of pressure at the end. Um, but, yeah, I know what you're saying in terms of looking at the team. It's not... Um, I think Jenkins as well starts for them most of the time. Um, well, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know statistically, but I mean, like, you, you would pick him in most games to start to bring that physical edge. Um, and even the manner, I, I think... Yeah, you say it's different before the game. You might say maybe you take the point, but the manner in which they played, uh, you know, they're very, very inconsistent, very kind of stop-starty, very broken, you know, a lot of drop balls. Um, we started relatively well, but then we kind of couldn't capitalize, and we still spent got to 20 minutes, uh, half an hour camped in our own half, and actually holding them out, which was the most impressive part. Um, but yeah, I'd say the way it ends, it's it's it definitely feels like a much worse of a loss than maybe it is on paper. Yeah, I watched it back today. I took a few notes on my phone. So I broke down the first half, second half. Um, first half, Connacht by far a better team. Uh, line out early was really, really good. Half looked confident. Um, it was it was seamless. Uh, and then that first try that we scored, like, that's, that's a world-class first try. Mack Hansen, I mean, I think you could argue he makes more of an impact than any other player to a team. Uh, or at least he's, he's in the top couple of people. Um, with the way he plays and like to come back after he hasn't played in what two months yeah it's been about much. that pretty much uh, two, months. Six weeks. two months yeah yeah six weeks to, to two months and he looked incredible he and he brings such uh a, a, just a different edge to our, our, our team uh so thank god he was back defense in the first 20 minutes were excellent um of, of course Hugh Cattle it, it, it's the verbiage it always annoys me with him but it's 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 kind of survive uh, you know, attack from Leinster. It's not the Connacht defend well. It's like we're oh, we're lucky to be hanging on here. Um, the yellow card. What again? Watching it, I watched it. I was watching bits and bobs in the pub, and th- there was no volume. But from the little bits I watched, I wasn't shocked to see the yellow card because again, I didn't see it fully. I didn't hear the conversation around it. What was your what's your thoughts on this, Westy? The Cottle Ford one, just to clarify for everyone listening at home. When the first when he first got the yellow. I kind of didn't really realize what the yellow was for. 
and they showed a replay of it and I was like, oh, okay, like I, I guess there might be head contact there. But the more they showed the replay, the more I was like, I don't think there's really head contact there, to be honest with you. Um, and it might have been, it looked like he had the shoulder on chest and maybe there was a, a slight head contact. But whether you think the yellow card was, was right or right, okay, like first off, I think it was harsh. I think it was a really harsh yellow card. Be it harsh or be it not harsh, it's the image that Kyle Ford presents, right? He's standing fairly upright. Uh, I think he kind of tries to go for a bit of a soak tackle, um, gets his head in the wrong place and gets it. I think the problem is if, if you put a head near another person's head, you just run the risk of getting the yellow card. It's just, um, it's a moment of uh, frantic induced uh, poor technique. I, 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 Kyle Ford hasn't been particularly known for, for high tackles. I think he's been a really effective tackler for most of the season. Um, I just think, unfortunately, he, he, he presents a bad picture to the ref and, and Unfortunately, that is the name of the game. It's not necessarily about, you know, watching it back over twenty angles and getting the exact, um, getting the you know like, you know, getting the ex- exact minutia of the details right. If the referee sees something that looks like head contact, that's where the head conversation starts. I have head contact on the pitch. What can you show me? So, if you if you give a bad picture with bad technique, unfortunately, you open this up, and it's not the first game we've seen cards for. It's with similar. Um, incidents on the pitch and unfortunately we just come down the other side of it yeah i think you make the point there it's i I don't think it probably is a yellow but and this is the theme of the collapse in the end we we're not putting ourselves in a position there to be successful call forward needs to be lower the only thing i can think of of why players are still doing this kind of stand-up tackle it's probably to stop the offload opportunity I assume, and like that is really dangerous. I think one of Leicester's tries comes from an offload. One of our tries comes from a Paul Boyle offload, uh, Max offload. Like it, they're so dangerous when they're pulled off, and it's probably tough to coach players to to get rid of that. Like you can still hit, put a big hit in legally. We all know that, but when you go low and you go into the hip, you leave the attacking player's arms very open, and with the quality of these guys, it, it's difficult. But as you said, it it, it leads to a yellow card. Um, that amazingly Leinster don't capitalise on which is normally what they are ruthless at and they are later on in, in the game but yeah tough for Carl Ford again he he's not trying to do any any, any damage there but it, it, it's an interesting I'd love to if we ever get a coach on again I'd love to ask him that question uh, about that because it's like yeah I don't know maybe maybe we'll see but, but then a few minutes later Ryan Baird clears out Mac Hansen in what looks I would say much more dangerous uh, you know t- tilts him by the leg can land on his neck, can land on his shoulder. That's nothing. Again, I'm not saying that is yellow, but just interesting that it happens afterwards. I thought, uh, Weston, you can comment on this. I thought Carrant did a fantastic job in the first half of slowing down Leinster Rook ball. A lot of it was Heffernan as well. Really like being a nuisance at the Rook and just causing slow, slow ball for Leinster, which we know that they are so effective when they have quick ball. Um, and that's a great, now that, the problem with that is it's, it's bloody tiring, I'm sure, to uh, attack a Rook two or three times that you know you've no chance of getting the ball from. Um, but really, really good. This is kind of where the stupidity starts. Cards are really doing well. There's a bit we win a scrum penalty, bit of a scuffle that Ed Burns starts and Seamus Harry Langton stupidly grabs the the head cap, so head scrum cap off. I can't remember who it was. Um, and the penalty gets over overturned. And three or four phases later, Leinster are dotting down on, the, on over for a try. Um, why why do players do this, Westy? <laughs> Yeah, I understand it's in the heat of the moment, but if you don't even go for the head, the scrum cap there, you're fine. Push him all you want, because everyone else is pushing. He's never going to call that. But when you grab the scrum cap, 
you just it's because initially when I watched it I was annoyed I was like that's ridiculous how are you singing like one player and then you see the replay and you're like oh yeah, yeah that's obvious and it's it's it that's that's blatant and that it's just it's frustrating it's a tough one as well because like while like it is it, it, it's fair enough you know it, it, it's a funny I find it like a kind of a juxtaposition or kind of like a funny place to be in when, when the other team starts a pushing and shoving and you again like in brackets like defend yourself you are you are so much at a higher risk of being the one to give away the penalty do you know like and I think in a situation like that people go for grabbing for jerseys people go grabbing for people to kind of you know give them the old you know handbaggy hold off whatever it's called and look Harry Langdon is still kind of young he just kind of grabs the wrong thing it's like Jim but what game was it we talked about it a few years ago where um, was it in the Six Nations um, someone put the hand over someone's face on the ground or something and it was like you go anywhere near the head and it's just not going to end well for you and we really should have learned from the penalty going against us it's also a case that I, I think at that stage well for, for multiple reasons but including the yellow card the ref is now against us like we're already on the back foot when it comes to referee decisions and not that we gave away loads and loads of penalties but you have to be in a slightly more careful position um when you are when you have a yellow card against you when you have already when you may have already gone against the ref you kind of need to be that extra careful and we just end up paying for it unfortunately um but yeah a moment of stupidity a heat of the moment it's also a frustrating game right when you're camped on your line not necessarily camped on your line but camped in your half and repelling 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 uh, even though you, you should be kind of gaining confidence from it, it's quite a frustrating place to be in in terms of rugby players. So when these little moments kick off uh, and you think you're kind of winning the mental battle, you can also kind of just get a bit, bit carried away and let your frustrations out in a really stupid manner. Yeah, but it was one of those things when I saw watching back, I was like, you can just, uh, like, you could put your bloody mortgage on that Lencer were going to score from this. Like, it's just, it was just one of those things that Connacht are doing and it's, Bloody frustrating. But look, they bounce back well and they have a, a line out um basically before half time. Um first of all, Wesley's decision to go for the line out rather than the three points. At the time, were you happy with that call? Obviously in reflection it doesn't look like a great call, but what what do you think of the a decision uh, you know in the moment? I think at the time I was probably a bit confident from how well we've been holding them out. Um yeah, I, I might have thought. I was kind of excited to see because again, it had been kind of so long since the first try. I kind of thought that it was nice to kind of see us go for it and have the confidence to go for it and kind of, um, yeah. But it's still one of those cases where definitely you think like, especially when you, um, you know, it's not really the way we've been playing too much in the other games, especially early on in the season. We praise Connacht for taking the points early on and building a bit of a, a score sheet and then giving ourselves the kind of um, the platform to, to impose our game plan. And I think, look, a fixture against Leinster at any time, in any place, you're really going to have to take the points, especially coming up to halftime. I, I think that, that, that Pete Wilkins said he trusts the players in the pitch to make the decision and they obviously felt um, they obviously felt that, that, that they had it um, in the in the role mall. And I think up to that point, our line had actually been quite good. So it, it was definitely a, a valid weapon for us and a valid attempt. Yeah, unfortunately, I can't get past the hindsight of you know, we should have gone for the points, but I don't think at the time, no, I wasn't. I'm trying to remember live now when I watched it. Um, at the time, I don't think I was overly annoyed about it. Um, I, I was a little bit confident about the lineup, but yeah, look, you really have to take those three points. But again, you can't rely on that too much because you take those three points, the second half is completely different. We, we might have come out of the second half with our tails up because we would have gone in confident. Um, but the entire game changes after that, so um. 
Yeah, I, I think, yeah, hindsight's great. But at the time, I think we were playing well and they probably got energy from the crowd and wanted to, to, to show what they can do. But sadly, it didn't work out. Yeah, it's, it is one of those, it's a real uh, risk-reward because, as you said, you take the three points, you're going into the to the halftime, you're going into the shids uh, pretty pretty confident and then, yeah, in hindsight, you're going pretty deflated, I'd say, Connacht overall. And it's the first bad, bad line-out um, that leads to several more, but we'll get stuck into that in the second half. But we have been joined by Sammy Barnacles. Sam, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. How are you? I'm fucking pissed off at the traffic in Galway. I'm so glad I don't have to commute in now to Galway City anymore because I left Galway City like a good bit before four. We were supposed to be recording this at five and I texted you at four and I was like, I don't think I'm going to make it because I've gone a hundred yards in 25 minutes. So uh, just just managed to get here on time to join you just for, for what sounded like all the positivity in the world and uh, fully agree with everything you're saying so far. So. Yeah, I no. wouldn't mind. That was we all we've discussed so far is the first half, which was pretty positive. Yeah, <laughs> well, on, <laughs> on that lineout, uh, I can't remember which one of you said it there, but it was all the lineouts were going really well. We were actually super dominant in the lineout until such a time as Dowling was off permanently, and that's that's when it all went to pot, and that's a worrying worrying from our point of view because Niall Murray came on for him, and he is Mister Lineout, like he's especially defensively. But you would have, yeah, at the time I backed, I backed the decision at the time. I was like, yeah, go for it, get stuck into them. Uh, and I think I I really need to just get over that and start praising the taking the threes and do do kind of do as I say you know as I as I do because at the time I was really enjoying it and now in hindsight I'm going it was it's such an obvious three to take uh, I know passion is so so hard to get over but you need that decision making we saw it was at Bristol uh, when Tiernan was trying to explain to I can't remember who was captain on the day was it maybe it was Boyle or Jared Butler. He was like, no, take the three. This will get us the, the losing bonus point. They were like, no, we'll go for it. We'll go for it. And they just didn't get it. Uh, and that that's that decision making. You really need to just remove any emotion from it and know what the smartest thing for the, the rugby game is. Yeah, I think Yeah, I think you're right. I think on, if, if, if Connacht were the team that were super clinical and, you know, didn't have a history of, you know, maybe losing games in heartbreaking fashion, I'd be like, yeah, all, you know, all for it. And I think you're right, up until that point, they were so down in the lineup that I don't hate the decision. But, you know, this is, this is a, a, it's Leinster at home, you take what you can get. But look at... Yeah, we saw the exact same thing last year with Leinster at home. We didn't take points, and then we didn't get the losing bonus point. And I was commending that decision as well, thinking that we had 80 more minutes or 78 more minutes or whatever it was. But I think you actually, I think we need to just be smarter. And I, th- that JJ is the, the out have to do that. I've seen a little bit of criticism that he wasn't getting too much on his clearance kicks and into the into the corners and stuff with his penalties and I'm kind of thinking you can't have it both ways either you're happy that he gets 10 out of 10 into touch but not as far as Jack or you you have you're happy that Jack misses two into touch every once in a while uh, like you cannot have it both ways safe as house or I know what you can buy him in I know what you can buy him in uh, second half again line out starts really bad starts to collapse Hef looked uncomfortable the, the one where he doesn't even throw it that's that's a real breakdown of it's amazing how it could look so good and then 30 minutes later you can't they don't even throw the ball in like that's that is crazy um Leinster yeah the score I was chatting earlier on WhatsApp the the the, the try that gets overruled I think the referee asked the question that really helps Connacht I'm shocked it looked like he touched it down plus Niall Murray is <laughs> like choke, choking him out uh so look at we're always trying to be fair this podcast that was one that Connacht got away with I think either it was touchdown or it should have been a penalty uh, against Niall Murray or Niall Murray if you ask Hugh Cal. um and then Blades try again 
like we just score worldies. It's it's weird. Like all of our tries are always. Is that is that a warning sign, like Westy, that we can't just score like boring tries? They have to be have to pitch offloads uh, that set us up. Like I, you know, maybe they'll pick and go sometimes. When like let's mix it up, you know. I think it's. I think the inverse is also true. Interestingly, on the defense. I mean, now like, let's let's take the Bulls game out of it because that's a little bit of an outlier. But in most Euro games, the tries that we concede are kind of breaks from the middle of the pitch like once like kind of a counter-attacks or they come off a mistake by counter once our defense is set you know like, like, the, like i said in the first 20 or the after the first 10 minutes the kind of 20 minute period we hold leinster out because we're setting our defense and our system is working quite well it's only as i say when there's um you know there's a trick play off the off the penalty that we're kind of you know we're caught on the hop or um even with the frawley try where we're never really set and let's just kind of uh, at the end, let's kind of walk through us. Um, so I'd say we kind of have it both ways, where we we don't tend to build too many phases inside the twenty-two um, for scoring tries. But again, maybe we saw a bit more of it in other games. But um, yeah, I mean, I would say that like I was now I was watching this game in in a pub in Austria, in an Irish pub in Austria, um, chatting to a group of Austrian lads who didn't know what rugby was, uh, and were like, "Why are you so excited about this?" And I was like. You don't understand. We haven't beaten them in the last ten times of asking. Um, but but those tries, I mean, those tries are really beneficial. Those tries really put the crowd on the side. And I think because the blade try is so impressive, we then go for the Kilgallen try, and we really have the win behind us. And it's this great spectacle, this great atmosphere where we think we're actually going to do it. Um, but yeah, I think I think our main problem, maybe if if you want to look at the game as a whole, comes from time spent in Leicester twenty two was really, um, apart from as you say the four lineups that we lost in a row, we didn't really do much in, inside the Leicester twenty two um, on the game as a whole. So maybe one of the things that we have to look at, maybe this goes back to Sam's point about you know JJ getting criticism for not getting quite so far with the kicks, is we do have to look a little bit more of um, where we spend, where we. Uh, what parts of the pitch that we, we spend the most time. And I think, um, apart from maybe one or two games, um, we do, we, we've we've lacked a bit of time in the opposition 22 that maybe we need to build on and just give ourselves better platforms to score. And look, that, that comes from the line-out. That's, that's how most teams get into the 22. They kick a line-out for some point and then play a couple of phases and build off it. And I think, um, look, at, at the time watching the game, I was very specific on what I thought the problem with the lineout was, but then you go back and as you say, there's there's injuries and there's changes, and it, you know it's it's not just one person that's at fault. Uh, if you've a change in the person calling the lineout or the person you know um, throwing the lineout, these things have have quite a big impact. So um, maybe it is off the back of Dowling going off a lot earlier than we planned. Maybe he's the, I don't know now that these insides. We probably should probably know this information of who calls line after contact, but for me, it seemed like maybe it was Dowling, and then once that changed, we never really got the rhythm. We never really got it bang on right. We got it right a couple of times, but it never really stayed um, dependable. Yeah, I, I think Wesley, you'd be a lot more versed in what goes on in a lineout. Like you do, uh, you you jump in lineouts and you're a forward, so you know exactly kind of the more more what's going on. But for me, it looked like the second half they decided. You know, ours was a, it was a bad throw at the end of the first half, but the second half they decided to just go for it. They sent Jenkins up. They sent I think it was uh, Baird up, and they just. Uh, once they got under our skin and got into our head, I think that's when we started to overthink it. it. It looks more like that they actually went to fuck with it because they were getting nothing from theirs and they we were getting a good bit from ours in the first half outside of the last one. I think that they they attacked it early in the second half and that's where the the doubt creeps into the mind and maybe Hef's been out for a while and the, the forwards, you know, Dowling's gone off and there, there is a bit of a, a miscommunication 
there. So I'm not I'm not laying it all on the, the hooker, but I do think that at that point, a manager or a coach has to do something just to even change the mindset of the the picture. So I, I know it's probably it's probably not entirely on half. I think like that's it's unfair to always level any line out miscommunications on the hooker. But what you can do is you can change it. You can just get a steady head on. You can just change it and change the voice. Change just take the take the momentum out of it. Take the swing out of it. Whatever it is, you need to do something. And I think that that thing wasn't addressed quick enough. I think the line out was poor for a while before we decided to try and go for something and do something. I think line outs have been an, a weapon of ours for the last while. And I actually think this game aside, and you know, blues blues are blues or bulls are bulls, so it's going to be hard. I actually think our forwards have been quite clinical, and we've been quite attritional in the way that we've played in the 22 and other games this season so it was annoying to not see that come to fruition here against an, a Leinster side that yes there was seven or eight internationals uh, an ex-all-black a, a Samoan captain so they were, they were still stacked regardless of if they're B team or not you know Leinster B teams have done numbers on teams throughout the league for years but I, I was annoyed that we didn't get a foothold aggressively because I think our front five I think our forwards actually were very good but I think I would have liked to have seen a bit of that pick and go a bit of that really edgy rugby that now that we've seen some of the earlier games this season you know McElroy's try comes to mind Joyce's try early on comes to mind those style of tries we just didn't look like we were even looking for that you know we, we had no go forward ball off the side there maybe that's because Joyce isn't there and Darren Murray's only 21 he's a bit light but I actually think that they all played quite well so I don't want to be too critical of it either no I think no I think I don't think I think the pack was quite good yeah I think back to the lineouts. Yeah, you could see, like, again, it's not all Hef's fault, but I think it was, like, the third one or the second one that they lost in a row, a third one. You can see him visibly try and, like, lob the ball over as if, like, Jenkins is going to be thrown up. And, like, Connacht did that against against Munster, was it a season or two seasons ago down in Thomond, where we just threw Niall Murray up at the front. And as you said, Sam, it just causes a bit of doubt. And, like, when you see it, uh, uh, um, Hef trying to, like, lob it almost rather than just, like, you know, his penetrating ball flight that sense yeah you're right like there's something something's wrong there and it's it's it's, i'm sure it could be a small tweak or that but um it was it was disappointing to see that for sure but i wanted i want to highlight something that was positive paul boyle was back and he kind of sent a reminder to everybody how bloody good he is um he came on looked absolutely fantastic and he has been you know had no injury luck basically since he got his irish call up um which is a real shame but i was delighted to see him back and you know, we kind of we were pretty. I think we we're pretty stacked when it comes to back rowers with like Hurley Langton, Prendergast, like Butler is always still pretty good. Sean Jansen, I thought, is still settling in, but looks good. To to see Paul Boyle come back, a fantastic option. I think is he only is he on his a year contract? Do we know what a contract he's on? Yeah, he took a year himself. There's a couple of them take took a year himself and Gav Thornbury. I think we're kind of almost like prove it year sort of contracts. You know, maybe take a bit more cash for one year instead of. A reduced contract for two to kind of get their fitness and improve. So, uh, backs himself. I, I know Cooney was lauded and praised for doing that for the majority of his career. You know, taking these one years to back himself and to prove that he's got it and to to keep getting more contracts, but also keep his options open. But yeah, like the depth we have there. Jansen's just signed two. He signed for two years. Prendergast signed. I think this this is his second year of three. I worry that we're going to struggle to keep Hurley Langton if he continues to play. Like yeah, the grabbing a head cap, <laughs> scrum cap aside. I think he's been phenomenal for us since we got him. And he's not Irish qualified for another three years and you wouldn't begrudge him and it would also probably, you know, he'd, he'd warrant a big contract for his next contract. So I could see someone moving for him if he continues to play as well as he does. And that would be a big loss for for us and potentially in the future Ireland. But I think project players are going to get less and less time in Ireland just because the, the sheer depth of talent they have in the back row. I don't think that the Irish management is going to even want to bring that on themselves. But we have we have a depth there. You know, Oliver is a phenomenal player. 
We have Sean O'Brien, who didn't play at the weekend, who's brilliant as well. So, you know, there is some serious talent there. It's going to be hard to kind of get contracts, and you'll see that in the next month or two. Yeah, definitely. Look, it's a good problem to have for Connacht when you have that many players. But, uh, right, let's 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 go step by step here through the collapse. Um, scrum on 77 minutes. Uh, we do well. We get the ball to the back of the scrum. Don't play it or don't play it quick enough. And the ball is out. Ref calls it out. And we end up giving up the ball. Um I don't think the ball's out personally. By the way, I think that. I, I don't. I don't know what the actual law is um, in terms of what it was classified as out or not. But my, my again, my issue is more like just get the ball out. Like we have the ball, yeah. just get it out again. Don't don't give ourselves an opportunity to fuck this up. Um, we fuck it up, and then they Leinster kick into the kick it to the corner. Throws crooked. Give us a gift. Unbelievable. It's a bit early for Christmas gift, but they gave it to us. Um. We win, and then we win the scrum penalty. Huge scrum was scrum was great all game, um, unreal. And then the crooked line out, um, and this look is it's Tierney Martin. So it's, again, you can't really blame. It's not like you can blame just half for everything. Tierney Martin, it's a crooked throw, and on TV it didn't look that bad. But then there is a an, uh, an angle from the crowd, and it is it is, it is crooked. Um, my question here is Westy, and again for someone like yourself who plays in the pack. Is it risky to throw to the back there? Is it necessary to throw to the back there? I think it, does that come from the bad lineouts in, in the in the start of the second half there, where Jenkins is getting up early and interrupting it at that front kind of uh, you know section of the lineout? Is that where that decision comes from? Should you just go throw Murray up at the front there and just take your you know give yourself the best opportunity to win that lineout? What what's your thoughts on that decision? Like I'd be inclined to agree with you and say like oh we again behind the train train right we kind of should have gone up at one but. You know, if they're trying to avoid Jenkins, in the mind of them calling the line out, that, that three option is the best option to go. Now, look, I play a very, very low standard of rugby, so it's very different. But a three option is always going to be your most difficult option because um, it, it's your longest distance, right? And people forget that that, that ball turning to line only has to be straight for the first five meters. But it, it often can, if it if it wildly veers after that, it, it may appear that it curled earlier. You want to get somebody up and down as quick as possible. Is the clock in the red at that point? I can't remember exactly. Um, yeah, it was, wasn't it? Um, uh, no, it's no. on their scrum. They take the scrum and it's in the red, so it's yeah. just before the red. So you have to remember that at that point, it isn't in the Connacht's mindset to get this ball down and kick it into touch. Like we're, um, we haven't gotten to the stage yet of just hold, you know, get the ball down. But maybe our plan should have been to get the ball in, maul it, and kill some time, and then. Um, and go from there. But I think that the primary option is to secure the ball and, and, and run a strike pay off it and uh, and keep them down and give ourselves an opportunity to, well, I'm not saying to score, but to, you know, be in a healthy position at the end of the game and, and clear the ball. But, um, like, they'll have run this stuff in training. Like, it, it's not for no reason they went to three at the end there, you know, as you say. And it may just be something as simple as Jenkins did his job and was securely in the head of Dylan Tinney Martin. Again, like what conversation happens before Dylan Tinney Martin comes on, right? So has has Muldoon, I think Muldoon in charge line or whoever, any coach may have pulled him aside and said, look, Jenkins is going up every time at one. You've a really good throw at a ball. Just get it past him, you know? Let them throw him up. Let them be out of place. We'll get the three, we'll set and we'll go. Now, I haven't watched it back close enough to assess all the lines that Dylan Tinney Martin threw and, and, you know, to what numbers each time. But, um. I, like I, I'm of the theory that going up at one is always your best bet, especially when you've got someone like Niall Murray. But obviously, that that isn't always the case contextually, and and with players and plays and with times in the game, it, that isn't always going to be your best option. Um, 
but yeah, with with a minute left on the clock or however long it was, yeah, yeah, it's tough to see why our plan isn't just get the ball down, hold it, be absolute assholes, and then throw it away. Throw it, throw it, throw it away, throw it to touch, or kick it, throw, throw it away, just throw it away. Like well, we did, that's exactly what we did. Sorry, we did throw it away. I know, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and then look at. What follows is like Leinster who looked like creating nothing with ball in hand all game go uh, half the pitch in four phases and score try, um absolute heartbreak, uh for everybody in in the stadium and everyone who was watching from a point of view. The the one thing like from li- listening to us talk here, it's it's become clear that Connacht they're confident in their abilities. So like even the decision before halftime to go for the line out is a team that's a confident decision from a team. Like that, as you said, Diddle Terry Martin, he is really a good thrower of the of the, of the ball into a line out, and they decide, you know what? Well, yeah, you're right. This is probably the best decision for us now. So there's confidence there in the team. It's unfortunate just that sometimes it doesn't, it it hasn't, you know, panned out for us. So at least there's that positivity of like, you know, we we are good enough. Let's go and do it. And that that that's I suppose better than not having that confidence. But it's just frustrating. Where you, again you look back and similar to similar to a couple of games at the start of the season where we ended up winning, but like it was closer than it even shouldn't have been. Like, Leinster shouldn't have been that close to us um, in the run of things to even be within danger of, of this. And, like, it wasn't a good Leinster performance. Now, they definitely upped it in the second half, um, like all good teams do and have done against uh, Connacht before. But, like, L- L- Connacht were a better team that game. But, again, it's just one or two silly decisions or, or, you know, you look at the ref decisions, the ref wasn't great. But, again, we shouldn't even be having that discussion because we've done enough you know, to 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 put ourselves ahead enough that you know what you you can have a bad refereeing decision or you can have a bad try concession at the end of the game and it doesn't matter, and that's the frustrating part. But like Sam, Connacht have to take the positives out of this. Obviously, it's frustrating and obviously there's a, a lot to work on. But you know, so far every game, bar maybe the Bulls game, Connacht have been in the game. You know, with a chance to win, probably should have won more games than we've had already, and there's a real sense of something's building here right I think you have to take that coming from this game I think you have to you've seen it all season with their like you said the confidence like this is it's early days in a new coaching ticket I know it doesn't seem as drastic a coaching change as others because Pete Wilkins has been there so long but this is quite clearly a new era under Pete Wilkins they're not playing the same brand they've got even he was saying you know they want to kind of play a bit more than they did last year because Freddie had gone to, to quite a conservative game for parts of the game plan we kicked a lot more than other teams we kind of played a transition ball so you're seeing big changes. You've seen personnel changes, the likes of Muldoon coming in, uh, uh, Scott Fardy, you know, young coaches, Mark Sexton being promoted from within, young coaches with something that they're they're trying to bring and instill within the squad. So for them to be for the squad to be confident in the way that we've seen so early into a tenure is very positive. And I think that the results we've gotten so far this season is positive. Even that Bulls game, like I know we got hockeyed, but we were still in the fight for a bonus point at the end, which isn't something you would have said for Connacht in the last couple of years, you know. We've been hockeyed at times when I've been like, I can't wait for this 80 minutes to be over. But in that Bulls game, I was still enthralled into the last second because there was something still on the line. And in every game so far this season, we've either been ahead or we've stayed in the fight. You know, that Bulls game caveated that with a fight for a bonus point. But this game even, you know, we we looked dead and buried. What were we, we were 11 points down and then two quick succession tries in the way that you know that they can play. You know, they, they identified things, they worked things out and they played to, to their strengths. And, that's all positive going forward. We've played a lot of the top eight and not so much of the bottom eight so far this season as well. And I know like, you know, last year with the hardest start to the season, but I was saying, you know, come January, February, you'll start to see those results ease up. And I think if this Connacht team can play like that 
for 10 games solid, you win eight of them, seven or eight anyway, uh, because that is a good performance. And like you can throw whatever A team, B team, C team at, at that Leinster team that's there. Yes, I acknowledge that it's not their front runners, but you don't see their front runners too often cohesively together for URC games. It just doesn't happen, especially when it comes to interpro season. They tend to change it up a good bit, you know, for us or in the past, we've, we've heard that they've changed it drastically for Munster to just do one on Munster with a B team to really psychologically damage them. That's still a team where they bring in lions off the bench, you know, and uh, two lions off the bench. It, then they've got like a lion starting. They've got the Samoan captain. They've got an ex all black. They've got players that people think should be in the Ireland squad. It's a Leinster B C team, whatever you want to call it. It's still a really strong team. And in, years gone by that same standard as team has gone unbeaten for an entire season so i'm very happy with where we're at i'm really disappointed with that game the the last minute absolutely kills me but to get back into the position we were in that's the sort of stuff that i'm seeing going look i have a lot of belief in this connect team not giving up the way i haven't had in the last couple of years i've been at games and i've not seen a way back into it and now i think they're giving us every reason to believe that regardless of what the scoreline is so long as there are three tries within it they've got a chance of getting themselves back into the question, the, the conversation for that game. So I I think early in the coaching ticket, this is kind of where they'd like to be at. You know, it's they've some good results, some great stuff to draw on and a really deep squad of look like confident players. Yeah, like if they can clean it up, like if they can smooth the, the kind of the, the edges here and, and cut out a lot of the stupid stuff, they have a real, real team, like a properly good team there with proper squad depth and, the next two URC games are Ulster and Munster, and you know it's kind of one of those things where, like, you could win those two, both of those games. Like, there's no, there's no doubt in my mind you can win both of those games, and that's probably more so than the in previous years where I'm like, that's that could be two losses. Now, it still could be, but I'm more confident of of kind of going into those two games now with with the with their ceiling. But Westy, you wanted to interject there? Yeah, like. Just on the other provincial games, like it's always gonna be more difficult because we play each of them twice, right? So getting this win over Leinster, you know, it's I often think that winning three out of the six interpros almost just puts us on even footing with other teams because they look that they, they don't really play the same well, maybe maybe the South Africans do. And I know that like you can say that other divisions are closer and tighter knit, but you know, we do play teams that are usually in the top four more than everybody else. But the other point I want to make is I've seen a few people say, and it, it, it is level of kind of quite a lot of like this inability to close out games that we that we have that we tend to throw these games away. And I just want to bring leveled by back. Smurf. Yeah, Most I want to Smurf. bring people's minds back to the Sharks game two weeks ago, where we did close out. We did exactly what needed to be needed to be done, and we saw out the end of it. You could also say with get with the Glasgow game later on in the season, we managed to see out a game where you know I think that was probably the best performance we had all season, over eighty minutes. Um, so I just want to point out that. Yes, we do still have a slight problem closing out certain games, but this is it. We've improved in that in that sense as well. I think one of the issues here is that Leinster are Leinster, and you know it's almost like Ireland versus the All Blacks. You go long enough without beating them, and you know once they have that momentum off that, you know off that, or we we give away the line. It's like oh oh shit, we're bollocked. Um, like we played them what eight times in the last three years, and we haven't got a win. Like it's the same thing with. You know, Munster with them a few years ago, where it looked like they were never going to get wins over them again. Again, so um, this is a point. I gained acknowledge on it's a problem. Season. Huh? This is a point gained on last season. We got nothing yeah. from this game last year. So yeah. So I just want to acknowledge that while there is an issue with closing out games, like look what happened in Sharks, what's happened in other games, we we've gotten better in that regard. There is just still work to be done. 
Yeah, I'm, I, look, I know it's, you could say it's a point gain, but you had the ball with 20 seconds left and you ended up losing the game. And that's just like... It, that's that's the you have to you have to treat them as individual instances and individual games and I agree like I, I think can't have can't have improved but there is this still there's definitely something mentally with the team where it's it there's too many massive errors yeah but that's, you're you're never going to get past that unless you're in that position you're not going to get past be throwing away a game with twenty seconds to go being four points up unless you're four points up with twenty seconds to go. You have to get to that point, which we are doing more consistently now to get past that. And I think that there was, or Westy said it earlier, I think it was the Ospreys we played earlier on in the season where we had the shit a second half of all time. We still held it out. Connick wouldn't have done that in the past. That Sharks game, we wouldn't have done that in the past. This game, yes, it's another one and it is one thrown away. It's definitely drop points and I'm as disappointed as anyone. But you're not going to beat Leinster in a close game unless you're beating Leinster in a close game the same way we did with that Ulster game you know we put ourselves in that position and we saw that we got that win regardless of what Ulster team was out we wouldn't have done that in the past we would have capitulated had gone that points down so I think you do have to you're uh, everyone's going to be disappointed it's always hard to lose and we do it too consistently against Leinster it's not an easy thing to do but like I do think that you have to say that we're, we're getting into a position now that we just need that psychological step and you're not going to take that step unless you're there. You know, you're, you're not going to take that step at step one. You're going to take that step at step nine. That's how it works. Yeah, no, it's a fair point. Um, it's just, yeah, okay. it's, as you said, disappointing. But uh, we have Champions Cup coming to Galway this weekend, uh, which is nice to say. And we are hosting Bordeaux. Uh, Bordeaux currently sits seventh in the top 14. Won five, lost four. Um, and they have, they've got firepower. Uh, especially in the backs. Uh, looking at teams here, Luku, Jalibert, uh, Moa Fana, you have Penno, which is, you know, arguably one of the best players in the world, um, and a strong forward pack too as well. It, it, Westy, how we, how, how, what's the confidence levels uh, ahead of this Friday night? I'm confident enough. Like, I know a lot of people are down maybe from the results, the last two results, but I still think we're a difficult team to beat at home. I think, Bordeaux will be well used to the cold conditions, although by all accounts it should be a fair bit warmer here by next weekend. Um, I think it's currently one degree. I think it's expected to be around seven or eight uh, next weekend, maybe during the game. But that could change quite quickly, as we know in Galway. Um, I think that we, you know, again, not to... Uh, I was going to say, for some reason we rested certain players last weekend, but again, I, I don't want to criticism on individuals, but we'll have players back next weekend, like the Joe Joyce. Bundy is available, which... Um, like it doesn't really need explaining. The man's in in the form of his life. Look at how good Mac played when he came back in. Bundy is a different player. We will probably change the way we play slightly with Bundy available, but I still I'm still really excited for it. Hopefully now he gets a, a decent bit of game time into him and we start to see some of that great form translate down to Connacht. Um, but oh, a fantastic team. Um, they are a team that will capitalize on errors. I don't know if anybody saw. There was a video on Ayers doing the rounds uh, on Twitter at the weekend where they kicked off after a score to Aoni. The only player dropped, two only players dropped the ball behind the dry line. And uh, Lewis, uh, uh, what's his name? Belly, um, uh, Belly Barry. Uh, apologies, I study French. Now. Even I know I'm pronouncing that wrong. Um, Belly Barry is the least French name of all time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's B- uh, Biel Biari, maybe. Biel Biari. Yes. Thank you very much. Um, it slides in and, and gets the ball down, and like that is just the like absolute top of rugby intelligence. And you know, 
you know, you should be everybody should be showing that to their kids. Like that's exactly why you always chase the kickoff, why you always stay in the fight, because these opportunities pop up every now and again. Uh, no more than Keller's try against Connacht. You know, it's just a bizarre instance of nobody diving on the ball and then he, he dives in, in the corner. Um I'm confident in Connacht as a team that we will have a, a strong game plan and that we will put ourselves in position to win it. Um I find this quite difficult as a Connacht fan. Uh how I feel about the Champions Cup. I am so happy that we're in it and I, I think we need to fight to stay in it I think we need to fight to give a good account of ourselves in it because we want to be a team that people know right you know for no for even the reason that it is harder to convince players to come to a team they've ever heard of where you know we heard even we had Porchy on years ago saying that he knew he heard about Leinster and Munster but he didn't know where Connacht was um, I think the more we get good exposure in some of the Champions Cup the more that'll help us grow and develop and hold on to our players you know going forward but um for us, I think qualifying for it is is still a is still a uh, uh, is still the most important thing. So while I'm really excited for it, and I know it's the guys have said it's a must win game. Um, for me, our main work is in the league, is in fighting to be in the top end of the, the league come the end of the season. Um, but yeah, again, with the, with the Hiding Cup, the format's changed so much over the last few years. I find it hard to be really emotionally invested in it. Um, but yeah, look, I'm expecting a great Connacht plan. Connacht team that will go out there to win and will throw everything at the game. Um, and I'm expecting, a, I'm expecting a, a good performance from them. Um, I think we can get the win now. Yeah, uh, yeah. Look, I agree. It, it, they're Bordeaux is a good team, um, and being seventh in the top fourteen is no is no uh, you know no embarrassing <laughs> way to be. So um, yeah, it'll be good. It'll actually be a good litmus test, I think, for where we're at. What team we kind of, you know, as you said, field. I mean, it's only appropriate that Bundy Claus is back uh, right right before Christmas. Seeing as Santi can't play, we might as well get Bundy Claus. Nice. nice. Uh, Hopefully he's got some presents uh, for us. But uh, yeah, excited. Sorry, on selection, I'm I'm getting quite frustrated at fellow Connacht fans getting annoyed about having to rotate. No way. Really? It's honest to God, it's you'd swear... 23 players would do you for a season the way some people are talking about why is this player not involved why is this player not involved this player played this game what was he thinking you know coaches have to rotate they have to keep squads harmonious they have to keep people healthy they have to get minutes in legs so that they're available when they need to be called on all of these things I don't think your coach is going to go out and put out a a ragamuffin team and think oh this is a write-off I think every team they put out is going to be a team that wins yeah, sure, I'd love to see the top lads playing all the games, but I'm getting more, more and more frustrated with this. There'll be, you know, there'll be an omission or there'll be something like a, a Tyg McElroy will be starting at hooker and someone will say, oh, I'm not taking it seriously because he's our third choice hooker. And was actually, he's been really good this season and he needs game time. And Hef, you know, is coming back from injury and Dylan Cleary Martin's played a good bit of rugby and he's young and he had injuries before. So these are the points you have to you have to really consider when you're looking at we have like 11 weeks in a row or something at the start of the season so players have to be rotated and rested I'd love to see you know McDonald starting with Blade on the bench this weekend even though it's the Champions Cup I think that Blade is there to bring the solidity but you have to get game time McDonald because Riley's out for a long time I'd love to see Porch back maybe at fullback because Tiernan's probably out Darren Murray should keep his place because he's young but also because he needs game time and because he's playing well so a, a good mix, I think, is fine. And French teams traditionally don't travel well. Seventh in the top 14 is Midland. They have to try and up their league position as well. So they're, you know, they're not necessarily going to be able to go as strong as possible. So hopefully we see a, a good mix and a good performance. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I agree. I agree with Westy. League is more important. But 
there's no reason why you can't give Bode a good lash. Uh, and we'll see. Look, it's great to have Champions Cup back. That's for sure. Uh, we'll move on. We spent a lot of time in Connacht, but we had to we had to vent a lot of our frustrations there. Uh, Munster had a great win at home uh, to Glasgow, forty points twenty nine down in Musgrave Park. And uh, myself and Wesley did not see this game because we were both out. But Sam, Sammy Barnacles, of course, uh, did. Thankfully, Sam, your opinions on this game? Uh, brilliant. Uh, really. I think outside of some errors, some drastic errors in the mall, uh, which Monster will want to address very quickly if they're going to go and continue to be quite dominant in this league and try and fight on both fronts, they were excellent. I was I'm frustrated going because I think up until about halfway through last season, there was genuine... You could genuinely believe the Connacht were quite close to Munster and Ulster in terms of where we were at, and we were all quite far behind Leinster. I think Munster have climbed a little above ourselves, and I think we're still a little bit above Ulster personally right now. That could be biased, might not be. But I think Munster have managed to pull themselves quite up close to uh, Leinster. They mightn't have the same strength in depth, but I think that their first team are playing and humming and believing and very Munstery in their in their ability to just back themselves. Uh, so... It was an excellent performance, you know, at Glasgow. Glasgow been going really well this season, but it was a big test to travel. Uh, I thought there was some some quality performances from Munster. I thought Frisch and Nankville in the centres were were unbelievable. And I worry now that we're going to come up against the two of them. I'm I'm hoping that there's some sort of rotation. They bring Scannell in because I thought they they were absolutely class. And then they are Hearn at uh, six. I don't know if it's an experiment, if it's just the go-to now, but he was phenomenal and when he lands in your five meter channel as that kind of you know that forward on the wing there's no stopping that <laughs> he's it's not that he's the beastliest of people but he is just such an imposing presence that he's able to get over so they they'll be really happy with that result it keeps them very much in the conversation after one or two you know shaky enough performances at the start of the season but their results have been going well and they've gotten themselves into the into position now that they'll they'll be up in the top two i think to, towards the end of the year and they'll continue to play like that so it's a yeah, it's a tough time to be when you're a Connacht fan looking on from outside. But Monster fans will be delighted with that performance, and I think Crowley's going well. They 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 seem to be amassing a good deeper squad now as well. They're not reliant fully on you know the South African World Cup winners. They they have Irish young lads in behind them as well that are making claims for the spots. Yeah, like the, you gotta make a point. They're good now. They should only get better towards the as the season goes on. As a, you still have like you had Murray on the bench, um, Ollie Yeager made his debut, uh, which is great for them. But you, like Brian Gleeson's only going to get better every time he plays, and he's obviously incredibly talented. Um, yeah, Tom Hearn, like I seen him and I seen him from the highlights. He was out in open play, pretty pacey. Uh, yeah. I suppose when you have that stride length, it's probably not that hard to be pacey. But um, I, I like I like him at six. I think that's that's I think that's great. Um, and when, when you have obviously. Dogbo and Tyg Burner are your locks. It's it's uh, an absolute luxury to have Tom Hearn at six, but it's working so far. Yeah, it's a phenomenal line-out option defensively and offensively as well. You've got another six. So you have like a Dogbo burn both going up. You have then uh, a Hearn being able to go up. This They just they add more strings to their bow in terms of a line-out there. So I think when we come up against them, they'll send Tom Hearn up at two about four times in a row and we'll it'll get into our heads. That's that's That was our tactic against them away in Thomond a couple of years ago with Niall Murray and it's a, it's a perfect remedy for that is to have someone like him. Still hurts to see Sean O'Brien play for them, but look, that's my own personal gripes more than anything else. But uh, Ulster uh, also played; they were at home to Edinburgh and they lost twenty four points twenty seven. 
they scored four tries, two from uh, Stewart, who has definitely has a nose for the try line. Uh, Balakun and the Hume scored right at the death to get uh, two. They got two lo- losing bonus points from this. Uh, four tries and then obviously being within seven. So as losses go, getting two points is never bad. But losing at home to Edinburgh, look, Edinburgh are by no means uh, a slouch of a team. But my thoughts on this were like, obviously Ulster have a lot of injuries at the moment uh, and that's definitely impacting their depth. But when you look at the actual starting team, it's it's by no means a slouchy. You have kids off, Tom Stewart, Tom O'Toole, Alan O'Connor, Treadwell. I suppose the back row is kind of where maybe you're seeing some of that injuries. Like Matty Ray at six is probably not your starting six, that's for sure. Uh, Nick Timmy at seven, and James McNaby at eight, who's still obviously very young and very talented. But your back line, like Westy, John Cooney, Billy Burns, Jacob Stockdale, McCluskey, Hume, Balakoon, Addison, that's that's their starting basically back line. I would say come come a, a, a big game, but they just don't seem to be clicking. Do you think that is it injuries or is it just this sort of is it this kind of Ulster at the moment? They just can't seem to get into gear. I think it's maybe just they can't seem to get into gear. Like there's, I think they're in an unfortunate position now at the minute. They didn't exactly have, you know, the management, the coaching didn't didn't exactly have a massive amount of credit in the bank going into this season. I think they kind of needed to start quite well, um, and maybe now that they haven't as much. But I agree with you. Like the likes of Hume, you know, two or three years ago was tipped to be, you know, one of Ireland's next starting centres. And like, well, I still think he's class and has so much potential. We just haven't seen that kind of fluid performance. Now, again, apart from maybe the first try, which was a, a brilliant backline move, um, we haven't seen quite as much of that from Ulster. I think maybe with the disappointment of, of last year kind of adds to kind of the, makes it look a little bit more negative maybe than it is. Um, I think it's hard for someone like Addison. He's been out injured for so long trying to come back into that, squad and make a difference and I think he is playing well but again maybe not getting himself on the ball in the same manner we saw uh, a year ago two years ago maybe when he was kind of last got his good kind of run of form together Stockdale is is kind of improving maybe on what we saw last season but again hasn't played a lot of rugby in the last two years so um, yeah it's tough to see it's tough to see exactly what's going to spark them in the back line Um, Maybe it is. Maybe maybe it's the likes of Flannery playing that that, that might actually kind of drag them up another gear. Um, I haven't really watched the scrums, maybe, and, and watched Kids off close enough to see if he's really been as influential as I thought he was going to be. Um, I still think, look, he's one of the best front rows in the world, and front rows are typically the hardest to recruit. So it's very hard to uh, be enthusiastic when you're being thrown under the bus by your coach two weeks in a row as well. Dan McFarland doing his players no favors, I think. That probably needs to be said in the dressing room, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, that's that, that's kind of my question. At what stage do you just do you call it quits just to change the uh, the vibe? Yeah, like, I'm not saying I, I don't think Dan McFarland's a bad coach, but he's been there a couple of years now. It seems to have gotten it's yeah, it's, it, it's definitely not a happy camp. At what stage do you just say like, okay, let's just cut cut our ties here and just change for the sake of change? And I'm not saying that's necessarily a good decision, but. I mean, does something have to happen here, or do we just do we just hang out to let or play it out to the end of the season? I, I don't know, but I'm just. What do you think? I think something has to happen because if you saw Cooney's face when he got taken off, and then uh, McCluskey's as well, they didn't look happy to be taken off as well. It doesn't look harmonious, and whatever is going on there, something has to be changed quickly. And it, I think it's a mentality thing. I think it's an ethos or a a, a kind of a culture thing because it, you know, Cooney Cooney looked like you know when soccer players get taken off and they throw the bottle, like he looked livid to be coming off, and McCluskey didn't look too happy either. Uh, so that that doesn't fill me with much uh, positivity if I'm an Ulster fan. And then for McFarland to say that 
you know, that his players, that the standards of training weren't good enough. Well, it's kind of, that's back on you. You're the coach, you know, training is, training is driven by you. If your standards, if they're not meeting your standards, you have to do something about it. But I think it has to be done privately. And he's he's thrown his players under the bus. It's not the first time he's done it. He did it once last season as well. He's done it two weeks in a row now. And no more than we said when, when uh, Jimmy Duffy and Nigel Carlin left Connacht. They're unbelievable coaches, brilliant for Connacht, but sometimes a change in voice is just needed. You know, if the same person's been there for a while, it starts to seep into the the entire culture of what's going on. And if that that hasn't been a successful period of time, which I think, relatively speaking, has been all right for Ulster under McFarland. He's done well. He's brought them up to a standard where we thought they were kind of league contenders. But now it's it's stagnating by the looks of it. Uh, if if that's the stagnant voice that's there, something needs to change, or the backroom staff needs to change, or a player or two needs to be brought in, the likes of Kitsoff maybe, I think something does need to change. But yeah, they didn't, it didn't look happy and it doesn't seem happy. And from all of the the noise around, you know, I was listening to Red Hand the other day and they were talking about player confidences and Jacob Stockdale in particular, and I was watching out for it then in the game. And yeah, he doesn't look confident even though he's playing well. It's it's not it's not rosy in Ulster at the moment. There's something up and it's hard to put your finger on exactly what it is, but it's definitely seeping into players and management. Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see what they do because, uh, you know, it's sort of like what stage do you get to a stage, even with Flannery, as you said, Westy, where, where like, you know, give him the keys for the rest of the season and then just hope that he flourishes. Uh, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm not saying that's the right thing. I think Billy Burns is a solid player, don't get me wrong, but, you know, anything that we've seen so far from Ulster doesn't exactly lead you to believe like this This is the year that they do it. And again, they could, who knows? But I don't know, it, it's it's a weird one. It's You don't want to over, overreact, but... um. I suppose if if they if another couple of losses around Christmas time, hopefully for from a con point of view, uh, but if that's the case, then I don't know. It's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what they uh, what they do. But anyway, that kind of wraps it up. Uh, I do want to say thank you. We had a few uh, people uh, donate some money to uh, my birthday slash Christmas party slash few pints for the lads fund. Uh, so thank you, everyone. It was very generous. Um, we really do appreciate it. It's always nice to be appreciated for the podcast. So uh, that link is still in my bio on Twitter if you want to feel generous and buy myself and the lads a few pints of G and give us a properly good hangover for the Sunday. Uh, Sunday, Sunday the 17th. If you want us to be hungover Sunday the 17th, you know what to do. If you own a chicken roll shop in Galway, you should be putting money into that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Giggas, if you want us, if you want me to get a garlic chip Sunday night, which is inevitable, you put money in that fun. Uh, but yeah, we, 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 I said we do appreciate it. No pressure, uh, but we would appreciate it. Uh, and yeah, we'll be back next week, lads, for some Champions Cup recap, which is always nice. It's nice to, nice to hear from a current point of view. Appreciate you coming on as always, and we'll catch you next week. Night night.